been serving for a number of years now in this great, uh, this great work as a, kind of a neighborhood evangelist and a father, mentor, grandfather figure to, to so many children and adults. Uh, Ron has uh, been a gospel preacher for a number of years, uh, served at, Maggie and I first met Ron and his wife Judy that, uh, in Tahlequah. He was the, uh, the preacher, a pulpit minister there at Tahlequah when we went to school there. And, of course, immediately when you meet Ron, uh, he's so well-known to give you a nickname. And I can't remember if he called me Curly or whatever he called Maggie. Or, uh, but uh, if you, you, you spend any time around Ron, he's going to give you a nickname. And uh, he does that because uh, he loves people. He truly has a heart uh, for others. I was glancing a little bit on his Facebook page just uh, the other day, Ron. I noticed just all the pictures with just people. Uh, it seemed like every picture is on his page. There's a child, there's an adult, uh, he's hugging, he's loving on them, smiling. Uh, is a man that wants to share Jesus with others. And uh, uh, he and his wife, Judy, uh, um, how long y'all been married, Ron? 49 years, wow. And uh, they're a precious, sweet family. And so uh, Ron is going to come and, and share with us a message tonight about uh, being a, a neighbor, being a friend to those uh, around us, maybe even the least of these. So, Ron, come up here and bless us, brother, with your message. Thanks, Robert. Your uh, family here is blessed to have Robert sharing the word with you. He's a soul winner, you can tell by his handshake. And that's a sign of a, he's got a great smile, doesn't he? Always friendly and always happy. And that's a, that is contagious, isn't it? And that's a blessing to have, have him working with you, serving alongside. <clears throat> Adam asked God, why did you create woman so beautiful? God said, so you would love her forever. And then uh, Adam said, well, why did you create her with such a beautiful figure? And God said, so you would have eyes for no other woman, no lust of the flesh. And Adam said, uh, why did you create her so beautiful with blonde hair? And God said, so it would blow in the breeze, and so you would enjoy everything in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam said, well, why did you make her so stupid? And God said, well, Adam, so she would love you. Ice cream social. Man, that's good news. That's, as a matter of fact, that's my, uh, that's my anniversary, 49 right there. Come over here and eat some homemade ice cream. Can't beat that, can you? This card right here, the response card, it says prayer request, baptism, membership, and it says where employed. Where I hang out, no employment. No employment. And without the government because they always have more month at the end of the money, as most of us do. And they've never, and most of the time, if you ever studied poverty, most of the time, these children have raised themselves and never enjoyed childhood. And at one time here in Tulsa, there's a place that takes care of teenage pregnant girls 
And one time here in Tulsa County, 800 teenage pregnant girls and the youngest being 11. And I had a buddy that worked there for a while and, and he tried to get a hold of all the dads. And of all the dads of these 800 mamas to be, he got 20 of them together. Invite them for a cookout, feed them a barbecue, hamburger, and homemade ice cream. He got 20 of them together one time. Never could get anybody else together. And so these gals, the apartment complexes that we hang out, 60% of the women in these apartment complex are single moms, 60%. And I'm going to share tonight, I want to read a text that uh, Robert shared uh, about our opportunity in the kingdom at contact. Really, it's Tulsa because we'll have people, and we started out, <clears throat> and the way I started out, uh, we moved here in 1999, and I've always loved to share the word of God with anybody that I could find. And so it started out at uh, Normandy because there was a couple that started the mission there in Normandy at 36th Street in Sheridan. And so I'd go in there and I'd get acquainted with the apartment manager and, and then I'd go back and say, hey, can I pray with you? And it wasn't long, they was taking me to apartments and say, does anybody in here need any prayers? And they'd take me to residents and I'd get to pray with them and guess what we got to do after I prayed with them? We'd get to read the word. And as a result of that, Bible studies, people were coming to the Lord and so it was a great opportunity great opportunity because I don't care where we are there's people that are hurting just knocking on the door and showing up showing up like Robert does with that great smile and a handshake hey we're having ice cream come on over and he doesn't even have to say that I remember a cold winter day in February and my, I'm at this apartment complex and I got this gal running with me call her Big Mac and and we show up and and there's about 10 or 15 people out here and it's cold, they ought to be inside. And we're headed to this apartment about uh, 100 yards away and because it's nasty in there. I mean, it's nasty inside with what's going on. And anyway, so I, I walk up to these moms and children because there's not any dads present. I said, hey, you guys like uh, popsicles? Here it is, February. I don't have anything. I've, I've got my Bible. I've got it in my pocket. I don't have anything, any evidence of a popsicle. And this is what I love about it because, you know, because I'm aggravating, you know, they kind of hesitate before they answer. You like popsicles? Come on, talk to me. Yeah, we like popsicles. And so I pull out, give them a piece of bubble gum. But it's a way, and then here's what happened that I loved. They said, what church are you with? I said, church? Who said anything about church? What church are you with? I know you're with the church. How do you know? How, what's your evidence? How do you know you're with the church? Isn't that the good news that somebody said, hey, what church are you with? I didn't say anything about it. And remember what the song that Robert just led us in? Oh, to be like. Oh, to be like thee. And that image that he talked about, that we have it ingrained in our heart and our life. And you know the difference? You know what a yes, Y-E-S, face is? A yes, face. Hundred years ago, however many years ago, and Andrew Jackson was president of the United States, and they, they needed to ford this river, and the river is about as wide as this auditorium is wide, and to get across, you need to be an Olympic swimmer. 
or go by horseback. And a guy walked up and said, hey, can I get a ride across the river? And he, and he said, yeah, gra grab hold of my arm, pulled him up there and got on the horse, about horse and, and they got across the river and got down on the other side. And a guy said, how'd you get a ride with the president? He said, I didn't know he was the president. How'd you get a ride with him? He had a yes face. How many times, and we see people that have a no face. You ever stand in line somewhere and you're going to check out and that person there has a no face? Is that true? That's true, isn't it? We want to have a, a yes face. When they see us and they see that magnet and they see that difference, that's that neighbor. You think that's true? That's being a neighbor. Being a neighbor of having that yes face of that gal who knocks on our door at 2 o'clock in the morning and it is cold, cold. And she has a t-shirt on, her jeans are wet from, well, I don't know why, but she's high on something. She's our neighbor. And her man won't let her in the door. I said, where are you? And she's shaking, she's cold. How come she knocked on our door? And my wife said, and I left, it was about 4 o'clock, because I left about 6.30 that morning. How come you left me with her? But you know what happened after I left her with Blondie? Man, then she started talking because of a yes face and because of female and the difference in a relationship. That's why I go and I take a gal with me. And I knock on that door, and the first thing they, they say, who is it? And I'll say, Sheriff. Well, then they, I never tell, sometimes I'll tell it. But I always take a lady with me because of our culture, because of our world. And they feel safe because there's a lady and there's an old man there. Maybe they won't hurt us and maybe they'll open the door. We're, we're blessed to have contact going. It's all God, God deals. There was a guy by the name of Blackaby that wrote a book, Experiencing God. And really, in that book, there's one statement that I really love that he said that he had that he made: "Go where God is at work. Go where God is at work, and He's everywhere. He's already ahead of us." Let me read the text in Matthew chapter 25, and it comes to that point where Robert talked about being a good neighbor. And I want you to hold on. I want you. I'm going to ask you a question later, and the question is: I'm going to ask it now, so you can be thinking about it. And if, because I want you to talk to me, please. And the word is, the question is, who are the least? Another translation, who are the forgotten? Another translation says, who are those who have been kicked to the curb? Now, I've got a sign. I've got a sign, because somebody came up to me a while ago and said, what does your sign say? Because this guy, he's a trucker, and he said, I've seen, hey, and uh, he said, I saw a sign one time said, hey, I'm not going to lie, I need a beer. Okay, we see everything on cardboard, don't we? Now let me explain about this sign right here. <clears throat> feeling, all, feeling alone and worthless and hopeless. You know what that says? What do you think that says? Feeling all alone. What do you think that says? Talk to me. What are you reading? End of the rope. End of the rope. I need a friend. How many people feel that way? My buddy who we, we started contact in 2002, and he was a chaplain for the 
Sheriff's Department, and most of his calls that he had received late, early in the morning, two in the morning, what kind of calls do you think they were? Death calls. What kind of death? Right here. And what do we call it? Suicide. That's sad, isn't it? That's what this is. Because that pain has taken place, and then she wrote on the backside of the car, 15 years old, and God called into a ministry at Contact Church of Christ. Because she's feeling worthless, all alone, helpless. And her buddy said, come and go with me Sunday. And she's never been the same since. She is unbelievable. And if she was with me tonight, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know that she ever wrote that. Because I, and I visited with her about that, why she wrote that. And she started thinking of somebody else. And there may be somebody that sits in here on Sunday morning that come in late or Sunday night or, or maybe used to come. And they may feel, they may feel alone. And they need a friend. And they've got all kinds of friends, but they don't have the energy. And that's exactly the time that God wants to hear from us. When I'm all alone and I feel worthless, and that's when I need to go to my knees instead of, wallering in that bed and swarming around all over that bed, that's when God wants to hear from me. And our people, the world, need to hear that. And we, need, we can pray with them. And then they say, thanks for showing up. How many times they've sat on Robert's couch, Maggie's couch, and they haven't said anything. They greet them, welcome, come in. They sit on the couch, and they just pour their heart out, and they pour your, their heart out to you on your couch and your home. They pour their heart out, and you don't say anything. And they do it for an hour. And then they get up and they say, thanks for all your counsel. And what do we do? What do they do? Listen. When I was in Tahlequah, my buddy over there, Dr. Kent Lashley, he said, hey, Babbitt, there's a class you need to take while you're here. It's called the Art of Listening. He said, when they, show up, when they offer that course, he said, you want to take it. You'll use it the rest of your life. The Art of Listening. They have to have so many enrolled before they can offer the class. Guess what? They never offered the class. How many people want to sign up? People going to college, what do they want to take? I want to take these hours, I want to get them out of the way because I want to what? I want to graduate, I want to get out of here. I want, what do I want to take that for? But nobody ever signed up, so they offered the class because normally we don't. I saw a sign the other day, and you probably saw the same sign, where the guy said, the sign said, my wife tells me that I don't listen. And the rest of the sign says, uh, I think that's what she said. <laughs> Come on, guys, raise your hand. Let's read the text, Matthew 25. The Son of Man, I'm starting in verse 31. And the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all his, the angels with Him, and He'll sit on His throne in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 34. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? Verse 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least, there's the word, for whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. You know what the sign of the saved, the sign of the saved, S-A-V-E-D, the sign of the saved. You know what the sign of the saved? Love for the least. I remember preaching at a congregation and the leadership told me, said, Babbitt, you need to be careful who you run with. What was the message I heard? Be careful who you run with. Another place said, you can't drink coffee at the bank. We want you in the office. What's the message of those two places? What's the message? Stay hidden. I couldn't do it. Because that right there, taking the great commandment seriously, I couldn't do it. I had high school kids coming, they'd get out of school and they'd come, said, hey, baby, let's go, let's go see somebody, let's go, see the, let's go pray with somebody, let's go visit the sick, let's go to the hospital, let's go, let's go to the nursing home. And well, what was I going to tell them? I, I can't go. And I loved it. You know, hey, somebody's showing up and saying, hey, let's go, let's travel. Who are the least? What is, what is your response? What do you think of that answer when he says, who are the least? Name some people. The homeless? <clears throat> Nursing home? Amen. Man, that's tough. That's tough. Street corner? Who's on a street corner? Some, what I found out over the years, some of those guys want to stay. What? They want to stay homeless. We had a guy who showed up at contact, because I want you to keep thinking about who are the least. He showed up at contact. Man, he's nasty. That's all right. And he came for the donuts. Came for the donuts. Because he told me this later. He said, I came for the donuts. And it wasn't long. He walked down there, and he kneels right there. Not right there, but at our place. He kneels down there, and so I go up there and I put my arm around him. He said, Ron, I finally found my home. And nobody judges me. Because he's, what you guys said, because he's homeless. I can tell you his background. You know where the farm shopping center is? His mom and dad owned that. They sold it. No, they didn't sell it. 
Mom and dad died. He's got a sister. This clown chooses to use his inheritance for drugs. He's already spent it. She's the wise one, and he can't handle it. He's been, he's been homeless 12 years. 12 years. And he's not a dummy either. And he's tough. But what I, the point I'm making about that is he's welcome at contact. Because I've been at places where he wouldn't be what? He'd be afraid to come in. We preached a funeral for a gal. <clears throat> she cleaned houses. She was a very intelligent lady. She used to be the head RN at St. Francis Hospital in the emergency room. She no dummy. I mean, the head RN in the emergency room, you've got to have it together. Because what all comes in there? You and me. I mean, we're in a crisis, we're in trouble, and she can put it together. Something happens over time, and now she's cleaning houses, and now she's cleaning the baseboard at a law office belonging to her brother, who's the attorney there, paying her minimum wage to use a toothbrush to clean that baseboard. How she feel about herself? There it is, isn't it? That's how she felt. She's cleaning one of the ladies that comes to church at contact, cleaning her house, and say, hey, I want to take you to church with me. She came one time and fell in love. There's a guy there. He had 17 pages of crime of that he had committed. At age 7, he was abused by a Catholic priest. And at that, after being abused by a Catholic priest, his, wife, his life went crazy, stupid, wild. Anger, how deep that anger was. He was one wicked, angry man. And he had been in six different prisons. I meet his wife and kids at Normandy. And that's one of the apartments that the apartment manager said, Hey, I, I want to take you and introduce you to this lady and pray with her. I go in there, you can't even see the floor. It is that bad. It is that nasty. I mean, a kid everywhere. I'd be studying the Bible with him, that kid be running upstairs, and I'd ask a question, and the kid run upstairs, answer the question. He's all over the place, just like a monkey, swinging all over the place. I'd ask a question, he'd answer it, and he's never focused in on me. And she's writing her husband, who's in prison, about these guys that come by and read the Bible and pray with her. He gets out of prison. He's been, he's been, he's living with his wife for one month. And he says, I want to meet the people who's been loving my family. Because he's afraid to come, because what's his paradigm? What's, it, what's his mindset? I've been in prison, I'm, I'm a... All these labels that he has. Because he's afraid to come. Why? Why, guys? Rejection. Who's going to? But I want to meet the people who have been loving my family. And he walks in the door. And on a Wednesday night, remember the gal that I told you who felt this way and used to be the RN? She's in this class. This clown over there says, Brother Jim, I, wanna, I, wanna, I got something to say. He starts telling his story of how nasty he'd lived. And I want to tell you, this lady right over here, Sister Mary, because Sister Mary was baptized the week before, baptized into Christ. 
And this clown over here says, Sister Mary caused me to look at my life, and I'm making a commitment tonight, and I want to make a commitment to Jesus, and I want to be baptized into Christ because of her life. Remember, remember what I said about her? She felt what? Hopeless. And here she's encouraging this clown over here, and because of her influence and her life, this guy wants to become a Christian. He'd show up at the building and just grab me and hug me and say, Ron, I love you. Thanks for letting me come inside. You hear that? I have no idea how that feels. I have no idea. And I'm walking with the cat to the courthouse. I can't find a parking spot, so I park over there behind the YMCA that's shut down. You know where I'm at? On the east side of that? And so we're walking along there, and he stops, and he just looks at me. He says, what are you doing this for? Now let me back up. I picked him up at the bus stop because I met him somewhere, and he's at the bus stop. What's he doing at the bus stop? I go by the bus stop, and I turn around, and I pull up there, and I say, where are you going, Hoss? He said, I'm going to work. All right, I'm, we're talking at 51st and Union. He's going to work, Mingo and 71st Street. He's got to catch a bus, go downtown Tulsa, get another ride from downtown Tulsa out to 71st and Mingo. Takes an hour. If I drive from there, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, take, take him an hour. He's living in a scuzz, nasty, drug-infested, prostitution, and it costs him $25 a night. He's on drugs. He's working over there, making $15 a night. What's the problem here? He said, I'm not making it. I'm not making it. I need help. I need to. So he calls me. I said, uh, so I took him over there, calls me and said, hey, Babbitt, I'm not making it, and I can't make it. So the next night he calls me. And the next night he calls me. So I hook him up with a guy. Remember the guy that was in prison for seven, had that list, 17 chart, 17 pages. Remember that guy? I took him to meet him. You know what the first thing they said? Hey, we probably sat on a bar stool together. That's their paradigm. That's how they live. That's all they've ever known. And they started sharing. Next day, this clown said, hey, hey Ron, can you take me for to 12 and 12? That's Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center here in Tulsa. Can you take me 12 and 12? He said, I need to dry out. I need to get right. Took him down there. I said, I can't come back. That's about 10 o'clock. I said, I can't come back till about 2. I got a Bible study. I can't come back till then. He said, just drop me off. We put his stuff because we've got a little room over here where he changed clothes before we baptized people. You know how big that room is? So we put his stuff in there. Didn't have very much. Didn't have much. So we put it in there. I drive off, and I come back at 2 o'clock, and he's laying on the couch on the inside at 12 and 12. <clears throat> he said, they won't let me in. I said, how come? because I've got a warrant for my arrest. They won't let them in if they, don't, if they have a warrant for their arrest. I said, what's plan B? He said, take me, to, take me to the courthouse. There we are, parked on the east side, YMCA, and we're walking to the courthouse. He's going to turn himself in. He's going to stay in jail for however long to take care of the warrant because he doesn't have the $600. You know what I immediately thought of? 
I can make a few phone calls and raise the $600. I know some buddies that say, hey, Babbitt, how much you need? And they'd write a check. I said, well, that's not going to do him any good. So I walk with him. We go to the second floor. He walks up to the clerk, tells his name. She looks at it on the computer. And he said, I'm turning myself in. Here comes two deputy sheriffs. And I watch him. They tell him to put his hands behind his back, and I watch him handcuff him. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life because I said, man, this is, but it's the best thing for him because he had some downtime when he's flat of his back. There's only one way to look. Is that right? Only one way to look. And that's what he did during that time. But remember when he stopped me before we got to the courthouse? Remember he stopped me? Remember the question he asked me? He said, why are you doing this? He said, those people down there, they tell you to give up on me? How many times do they have that in their mind of a person that feels hopeless? They said, hey, they've given up on me. That's the least. Do you think that's the, those are the least? Because they've given up on me? Because they kicked me out and they don't have anything to do with me? But you see, somebody shows up because they're a what? They're a good what? And they can trust them. And it takes time to trust. I'm a white-headed old man, so it takes time for me to build trust with somebody. That's why I just say, hey, you like popsicles? Or say something else like that and say, hey, this is sheriff. Say something else crazy to get inside the door so I can build what? Build trust. And build that trust, and it's only going to come because whenever I leave, I'm going to leave after reading a scripture, and I'm going to pray. I'll say, what, what do you have that we can pray about? You think they have anything that we can pray about? Like Robert was sharing right here a while ago, talking about the family news. Man, there's, there's all kinds of praying that goes on, isn't there? Just the family right here. And so we share that time together. If Jesus had an office here in Tulsa, where would that office be? Where do you think it would be? Where? Downtown. Right there in a, one of those good oil-related offices. That's absolutely correct. Bunch of Zacchaeus. He didn't, he didn't feel good about himself or he wouldn't have hollered. He wouldn't holler for the Savior. Good point. That's a cover-up, isn't it? We've never done that, though. Downtown, isn't it? Because we'd want his office to be here, wouldn't we? I'd want his office to be at contact. We wouldn't be there. Probably wouldn't even have an office, would he? Probably wouldn't have an office. Because we don't know that in the text because he's always, always, he always doing and he's always moving. He's always on the go, wasn't he? And, the, and he'd always go to the mountain. Why did he always go to the mountain? Because he needed to spend time with who? Man, if he needed to spend time with the Father, what about this clown? Man, I need to spend time with the Father and get time with the Father. <clears throat> we spend out a, we share a, we hand out a card about this size every Sunday morning and answer it praise and prayer card and and so we hand it out to everybody we used to let people have the microphone we had to stop that because uh, <laughs> we'd pass it around and you can imagine what happened <laughs> so we had to stop that one so we 
<coughs> we turn the cards in and one of us will handle the praise and prayer time and people are honest. I want to share one. He said, uh, he said, I feel like I fell off. I've been hard on, he names his wife. He said, I've been unfair to her. He said, I'm taking control and it's not my place. He said, I've been judgmental. He said, I've been so consumed with being right and making things happen. And I gave up on my faith and trying to do it my way and I, and I need forgiveness. I did. He said, I'm not doing any good. And he said, I'm worried about our marriage. Financially, not bad, just want to be better. And he said, I'm holding on to resentment and grudges. They get in the way. And he said, I need the prayers of the family. And then he says at the bottom line, he says, there's no, there's no sense in denying it. How many times that you and I have denied I want to share some things that we do at uh, Contact that we're involved with. <clears throat> we have a sober, sober living uh, employment. It's uh, called Tater Heads, where they employ and they slice potatoes and provide French fries for a lot of businesses here in town. So these, so people can come in here who have a fr who have who have all kinds of stuff hanging over their head, and, they, and nobody will hire them. This guy that runs a situation, he's 20 years clean of alcoholism. There's nobody can con him. They can't con him. They can't tell him something that's crazy because he's already done it. He's already thought about it. He's already ahead of the game and he encourages these guys unbelievably. And it isn't long and he's got males and female in there and they're working and it's a great opportunity for these folks and he encourages them <coughs> to get a better job because he's teaching responsibility to show up on time and be referable. He had a gal there one time, and I don't remember how long she worked for him, and she went back to work where she lost her job. And the guy who hired her back called this guy, by the name of Bob, called Bob and said, Hey, Bob, can we bring more people over there so you'll train them like you did her? Man, how huge is that? Because these folks can't get a job. Can't get a job. We also have a recovery house. We used to have two of them, and that's a tough, tough road. We've uh, provided a food pantry. Several from this congregation work that, and that's every Thursday morning from 10 o'clock to noon. The beautiful part about that is are the people that are coming back to church or coming to church because they've been they met right there and provide food for them, and that's a unique opportunity. Praying with them before at the beginning of the time, so that's a great opportunity. We've got a closed closet. And there's something interesting about that clothes closet. We'll, we'll have a bag, a Walmart sack, or a grocery sack, and they'll pay 25 cents for that bag. One week, and this all goes back into taking care of youth activities, made $75 one week, and they're paying 25 cents a bag. They've got the money, but it's not that way that gives them some dignity about it instead of just a, a handout. But anyway, it's a great opportunity. We've got uh, one of the neat things that we get to enjoy is uh, going to the school system. We've been going to schools for 10 or 11 years. I go to an elementary school, and the principal told me, said, hey, Ron, you can go anywhere in this school. You can go anywhere, anything you want to do. Anything you want to do. You show up, you want to walk up and down the hall, you go to the cafeteria, anything you want to do. And that is huge. We go to elementary school, we go to Clinton Middle School, 
and then we go to Webster High School. We go to the middle school, and it's every Wednesday during the school year. So we show up before school starts, and we've been doing this for, like I said, 10 or 12 years, 10, 10 years. And we show up at the middle school, and we have a short devotional. We'll have a word for the month, like uh, self-control. And we'll, we'll talk about self-control. And we'll just talk about self-control. We'll talk about virtues, and each month we'll have a different word, and we'll have a different speaker sharing that. And what happens is, and you know how principals change, teachers move, principals change, and school system moving them all around, and so we'll have a different principal. And so we, let me tell you how this got started at the, at the middle school. I was showing a video slide presentation at a church, and there's people in the audience are looking at this video presentation, and they see some kids there, say, hey, those kids go to our school. And so God started using that, and so he called me, and he said, hey, Babbitt, what about you coming to Clinton Middle School? I said, let's go. And so he's, he's one of these guys that wants to have everything done in order before we show up. I'm just the opposite. I just knock on the door because I got my Bible with me. Because I've already been praying, I've already been reading, and I'm, I'm ready to go. I just knock on the door. I don't know what's going to be behind that door. And so, and so two weeks later, he, he's telling me, he said, now this is the way the principal, this is the way she is. She's been here 30 years. This is how she thinks. This is everything. So he's preparing me. He said, what do you think? I said, let's go, man. So he sets up a time for us to go. This is during the summer. So we go in. He walk in the principal's office. He introduced me, and he, and he starts talking. He keeps on talking, 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 talking. And pretty soon the principal say, uh, Mr. Babbitt, when do you want to start? We'll start. Gave her a date. <coughs> said, uh, where do you want to meet? What part of school? Where do you want us to meet? So uh, she showed us to the room. And anyway, walking down this hallway, long as this auditorium, walking down the highway, hallway, and we're getting ready to go downstairs, and this, this teacher stopped and turned and looked at us. He said, Babbitt, I've never been in a meeting like that in all my life. Never happened. Never happened. I don't know how that ever happened. How that ever happened, she had let you come in. There was no question asked. Just say, hey, when do you want to start? You hear that? In a public school. Remember the deal? God was already what? He's already ahead of us. That principal was located somewhere else, and they're bringing in another principal. The principal, the first principal, because this school is an at-risk school. It no longer became an at-risk school. She, signed, she sends a letter to the superintendent of schools. said, we want to tell you why it is no longer an at-risk school. There's a program here called Panthers for Christ. That's the mascot, Panthers. They meet every week, and this is what they do. And they'll come during the week and hang out with us, and they'll help us with our reading, they'll help us with our testing, and they show up. This organization is the largest organization in the school We'll average 60 kids. And every one of those are different families. There's 60 different families right there. We cannot even follow up with those kids. So you know what I do? When school's out, I've got my car parked, and I'll pull in there and follow that school bus to see where that school bus is going and see who gets off that school bus and all that entire route, and then I'll go back knock on that door. Already got an opportunity, don't I? Because they already love us because we're going to the Panther for Christ. Then we go to the high school. Let me tell you how that got started. I'm in Mazio's eating a healthy meal, 
And I walk in there, and it's summertime, and a principal who was the principal at Clinton Middle School, they move her to the high school at Webster. And she calls me Rev. Hey, Rev. said, hey, Rev, when are you coming to Webster? I said, why do you want us to come? She said, when are you going to come? I said, why do you want us to come? When are you going to come? When, why do you want us to come? She said, I can't see you Tuesday or Wednesday next week, so the following week you come Monday or Thursday. Or, anyway, show up. I want to talk to you about it. when you're going to come. And so I asked her, and I saw her again. Guess what I asked her? Why do you want us to come? She still hadn't answered. We've been there three years. It's a slower process because you notice how we are when we're in high school. We're hip, slick, and cool, and we're out of sight. And so we walk through this entire cafeteria where they're giving them some breakfast, and they walk into this other room. And that's where we have a Devo, and we average about 30 there. And we've got these teachers that are supporting us and say, man, you guys need to go to church. I wish they wouldn't say church because sometimes that's a what? A turnoff. But we go around, visit with them, say, hey, man, how you doing? And try to, try to encourage them to come. And here's the part you'll love. Both of those places, we feed them healthy donuts before they go to class. Anyway, it's a great opportunity that we're having. Let me share another opportunity that we have because we're getting running out of time. <clears throat> right now, we're going, we have a camp going on at Contact. Tonight is a family night, and we have uh, four weeks of basically vacation Bible school. Start at 10 in the morning till two th 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Feed them a good meal, and we run first week. We had 60, then we run up to 90, and so we teach them unbelievable what we get to teach them about the love of the Lord. Another thing is called, we teach, we read with them one-on-one. -on -one. Everybody has a buddy. Those 90 kids, they'll have a buddy. We've got youth groups coming in there, and <clears throat> here's the joy of it. All these groups are going home talking about what God, how God changed their heart. That's what happened right here, this, this lady here. How that kid changed her heart because they found out that kid didn't have anything. They don't have anything. And we realize how blessed we are. So anyway, that's a great opportunity with what's going on with our camp this week. Let me read a letter that I got from a buddy. I go down to the David L. Moss, I call it the hotel, down to jail. <coughs> and he says, uh, I gave my life to God November 18th, 2009. And I get out of jail June 2010, and I talk to two church groups about addiction. Well, I took my eyes off of Jesus and got back on meth. I cried out to God to save me before I died in my sins. Well, the good Lord put me in here October the 1st, 2012. This is what I love, because it, most of those clowns I visit with, this is a skinny. I'm in here because I something I didn't do. Something I didn't do. It's amazing. Because that's what he says. He said, I'm in here for something I'm innocent of. I want you to know that I am free, yes, free, so I know about backsliding. I want to encourage you out of love to take every chance you can to better your relationship with our Creator. Now, he's writing this letter to a buddy that he used to do meth with, and they would, because you're going to listen in the letter. Keep in mind that point. It's weird how the most dangerous man in Oklahoma, how I used to be known, 
is talking to you about your relationship with God, and you know I used to do anything for drugs. Well, now I'll do anything for God. So I have the same passion I had for the thug life, and now God uses my past to attract people to me, and I get a platform to talk about God. Please take this letter as an encouragement to get on fire for God. He needs you on the front line to help expand His kingdom. God has changed me so much, it's beautiful, and I'm happier in here clean and with Jesus than out there sticking a needle in my arm. Thank God that's not me anymore. Seek God in all things. When I met this cat, <clears throat> he's got tattoos where you can... <clears throat> Unbelievable. I'm not knocking tattoos, all right? <clears throat> but here's the message of the lady who received this letter. She said, Ron, if he ever gets out of prison, if he ever gets out of jail, they'll kill him. If he goes to prison yard, they'll kill him. That's how bad he is. He got out. And he's now living in Guyman, Oklahoma. And he's sharing his faith. He's still alive. And he's talking to people about Jesus. And that's what God does when we show up and being a what? Give, love, and help. I encourage you guys to keep being good neighbors. There's a lot of number of things that we do. We go to camps. We go to Camp Missouri. We go to Missouri for a camp. We we camp out on a farm, camp out in a tent. These kids have never been off the asphalt. They get to ride a horse. We go swimming. We do all things, all kinds of things outside, and it's it's unbelievable what happens. We run every morning. We have a lot of devos. We do a lot of singing. We do a lot of praying. We do a lot of reading the word, and we get away from everywhere so we can devote our time. And it's a great time that we get to spend. <clears throat> some of you might have some questions about contact. And if you do, we don't have any time to answer them. But because uh, I don't want you to walk out while I'm still standing here jawing. I appreciate you showing up tonight. Let me share some things about the kingdom. And uh, you guys partner with us. There may be a group. Often there's a group that stays right here in your gym while they're coming to camp, and we appreciate your kindness and hospitality that, that takes place. We encourage them to make it cleaner than it was when they showed up. Sometimes they live nasty, and we've got to get on their case because we don't want them to abuse privileges that God has given. Let's, let's talk to God, all right? Thank you, Father, that you use us in the kingdom. Thank you for creating us before the foundation of the world and knowing everything about us. And Father, we want to be like the song that Robert led us in, to be like you. And to implant, to plant that image, and that we all have a yes face, and God, that we're all better neighbors, because there's somebody out there that's lonely, and somebody hurting, and they need a smile, they need encouragement. Help us to be about your business today, in Jesus' name, amen. I use... Uh, some of you educators might know this term. It's called the magic triad. Smile, touch, and a kind word. A smile and a touch. But it, has, it needs to be the right kind of touch, doesn't it? The right kind of touch. Because ladies know if it's a wrong kind, don't you? You know if it's a wrong kind. Say, hey, stay away from that guy. And we've had that problem. 
I had to send people home. I'd take them home because they'd been in heat for the women, just like a stinking dog. And I said, Hoss, I'm not going to bring you back for another month. He said, that's all right. You don't need to come get me because I'd already reprimanded him. I can't tell you how many times, and, and I'm not going to lie. Because these women would come to me and say, hey, Ron, do you want to take care of it or do you want me to take care of it? I'll handle it because I, I knew what they'd do because I know where they came from and I know the language that they had that they can kick in pretty bad. But anyway, that's, uh, that's our culture. Smile, touch, kind words. Keep giving it. You've been a great audience. Thanks for letting me share today. We'll see you later.